Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. I'm Taylor and with me as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area during the 80s and 90s. He is the Martin Potter to my Tom Curran this month. It is my brother Seb. Seb, how's it going? Cowabunga! It's Cowabunga going great! Shaka bra. Oh my gosh, it's so good to hear you. You sound so much healthier uh, from our last episode when you had the cold. I am doing so much better. Honestly, even if we had waited maybe three days to record, I would have sounded um, not perfect, but definitely a bit better. You sound good. You sound strong. You sound like the humunga Kawabunga from Down Under. Oh my god. Yes, yes. You. We will get into this, but you, you, you spent the past, what? Maybe a couple hours watching Back to the Beach. Oh, my God. It's true. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. It totally got me in the mood. I am so in the mood. That That's excellent. Yeah, I, oh. I tried to, uh, you know, because we've been working on this topic for a while, and I just kind of was like, all right, I got to get myself in the mood. Let's listen to some reggae. Let's listen mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, some music and stuff, because it trying to sit down and, like, watch something. You know, when mm-hmm. you've got a, when you've got a kid around, it's just, it's not easy. So oh, no, that's, no, no. but, but you're doing this has given us the idea and we're going to test this out folks of actually picking, you know, a, a movie, whether it be a theatrical release or a TV movie or what, and actually sitting down, both of us watching it and basically recording a commentary. So, uh, you would probably have to watch. Uh, what we're watching separately but have us playing in the background as you watch it because i've got a feeling you won't be able to hear what it is we're watching um but i think we'll... it's, i think potentially it has a great it's a great idea because there's so many things that i watch on youtube especially mm-hmm. that i just like i grab myself and i'm like oh where's i gotta tell taylor about this or it's like yeah. oh my gosh and you know what i mean so this is this is uh this might be, might actually be kind of fun yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll experiment with it, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully it will go as smoothly as it as it looks like it might in my head. That's awesome. Previously on. Previously on. Previously on. If memory serves. Last month, I um uh, was hanging out in uh, San Jose for a while, and actually, just a few days ago, I was too for a uh, um a car meet on a Thursday evening, and I've got time to kill between work. And showing up there. And so last month, I drove down to Streetlight Records to check out some of the, or if they even had any audio cassettes mm. uh, left uh, for sale. And this month, I went down to Rasputin, uh, mm-hmm. which is over in Campbell. Um, and both times, just driving down Bascom Avenue, uh, especially through the Burbank part of San Jose, um, it just, it's so sad because there are entire blocks worth of old businesses and stuff that some of them I remember uh, going to back in the day. And, and just entire blocks are just fenced off, waiting for redevelopment, mm-hmm. waiting to probably turning into more Bay Area housing. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of depressing. I, I put a picture of that out on our Twitter this evening. 
You know that I totally agree, and I totally, I totally know where you're coming from. I have to wonder if maybe we even might at some point think about doing a couple episodes where it's just like, um, like the memories of Bascom Avenue or the memories of Stevens Creek Boulevard. And you know, you and I wouldn't necessarily physically travel down Bascom Avenue, but we would like talk about different businesses or restaurants that either aren't there anymore or are still there that that we have fondly in our memories or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh no, it does. And and you know, that's one of the things we run into with with our podcast is, you know, we've got some pretty specialized stuff. <laughs> we lived in the same area our whole lives growing up. Um <laughs> So we, we can do stuff like that. Um, yeah. But while I'm thinking about it, there actually is another um, uh, nostalgia podcast out there. They, they they just got started. I wanted to give them a quick shout out. It's the Nostalgia Mixtape oh. podcast. Uh, they're a little younger than us. It's more uh, like late 80s, early 90s and 2000s or mm-hmm. I guess all of the 90s. Um, but it's 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 great. I'm, I'm listening to them um, because we... We've got, we need in everything. I think we need more voices from women. We need more voices from people of color. We need all that kind of stuff. And, and this mm. podcast fits that. Um, oh, really? so if you enjoy what we do, if you enjoy what like rediscovering the eighties, uh, their podcast does, uh, check out the nostalgia mixtape podcast. Um, huh. especially maybe if you're a little bit younger than us and you're listening to us and you're like, well, I can't remember back that far. You guys are old fogies. you know go check out this but speaking of cassette tapes Mm. tell me what Mm -hmm. this sound might be oh as i see if we can do this all right here we go all right here we go Mm. i shouldn't have trimmed my nails today Mm. okay i shouldn't use my teeth like my dentist tells me oh dear this is are you opening a pack of double mint gum? I am not. Oh, jeez. Are you okay? Uh, yes, Ooh. I actually just ran the wrapper across the microphone. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. What might that be? What might that be? It sounds like hard plastic that was wrapped in little a film of plastic. Perhaps a audio cassette? It is. Ooh. Actually, um, that, that was not... What you just experienced was me... Opening a cassette tape oh. that has never been opened. And, and big deal, right? No, no. Okay. This came out in 1990. Oh, it's been shrink wrapped since 1990. It has been shrink wrapped since 1990. No way. Yeah. That was that was that fresh, fresh opening. Um, it, it was a reggae album that I had way back then by an artist named Pato Bantan. Um, and. Um, yeah, I just, I guess I just rediscovered that album not too long ago on like Spotify. Oh, really? And then I, I saw this for sale as like super cheap. It was like four bucks. I'm like, okay, I'm getting that. I'm like, it's still sealed. That's crazy. Please tell me that it came in one of the big, chunky, anti theft plastic devices from the warehouse. Oh, Do you know God, what I'm talking no. about? No, yes, I totally know what you're talking Can about. Can I buy no. one of those on eBay? That's what I, I want to buy. I don't know. I've never looked. I don't even know what the, what search terms to use. Uh, audio. There's got to be a trade name for that. Security Folks, if you're listening to this something. and you have any idea what we're talking about, please chime in. Please help us figure out what this is called. <laughs> if you worked in a record store back in the day. If you worked in a record store in the 1980s or 1990s, please call us. That's 1-800-CALL-US, right. uh, yes. 1-800-CALL-US? Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Should we have a 1-800 number? Oh, God, no. 
<laughs> what do you mean? No, because it wouldn't be one eight hundred. Oh really? Are they? It, a, a it wouldn't. You actually numbers? you you have to pay. That's why it's toll free. Oh, is because the recipient pays for the calls. What about nine? What about nine seven six? I. You know what? That would be fun. Um, how would? How about we get the money? Like people could call in and hear us like telling like funny stories or like. But they can you know do that for free on the internet. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess. Okay, scratch that, folks. All anyway, right, moving on, moving on. Moving on. Uh, listener Rusty Shackleford. Uh, um, at least that's his Instagram name. His name's Charlie. He lives here in Livermore. He actually. Uh, uh, sent me a message after our last episode and he recalls shouting Elmer in the 90s at not Yosemite but Pinecrest Reservoir Campground what? up here in Northern what? California. What? Um, and in fact, strangely enough, searching up that campground on Google brings up the Elmer references right off the bat. Wow. So Elmer, here, folks. the Elmer phenomenon apparently not just a Yosemite thing. Interesting. Charlie, yeah. thank you for listening and thank you for chiming in. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so one of our tweets from last month with our camping episode, I specifically made a point of tagging the treetop apple juice company <laughs> because we talked about their old style cans and a hot darn if they didn't actually give us a reply. That's great. Um, yeah. No, and, and that was really cool. And I literally, I'm like, I dropped what I was doing so I could reply right away because I knew somebody was in front of a computer right then. And it was like, you know, they're like, oh, that's so cool. Hey, thanks for sharing that memory. And I was like, hey, yeah, no problem. Can you guys confirm or deny that those cans were designed, you know, to, were redesigned? I mean, right. because, you know, kids kept getting their lips caught in it. Right. Lawsuits, et cetera, um, et cetera. And they, I think what happened at that point is that they read that as saying that they specifically designed those cans in order to do that, not they redesigned them to what they are now. And then it just got a little muddled and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Did you get a form level, like form letter from their like legal department? No. To your valued customer. <laughs> no, definitely did not. Is there a non-disclosure agreement we have to sign? Uh, with apple juice, probably not. <laughs> Wait a second. Was this the official Twitter feed of the official treetop apple juice corporation? Or was it just like some random person who's no. like, they really love treetop this was apple juice. And that was just their like this was treetop Twitter corporate. handle. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. That's awesome. That's why I made a point of figuring out what their actual verified Twitter handle was before wow. I scheduled that tweet. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, uh, you found someone who remembers oh. <laughs> the space shuttle tent. Yeah, folks. Tell if me you about this. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if uh, if the listeners remember our very first episode, it was our memory, of, our childhood memories of uh, Christmases. Um, and one of the stories we told was of a Christmas gift we got, which was a a pup tent in the shape of the space shuttle Challenger. Um, I guess circa 1986, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, or maybe just before. Right. Um, so about a month ago, I was at our parents' house in San Jose, and I found a very small photo album containing photos of our childhood that were unlike almost every other childhood family photo album I've gone through. These were photos of us mucking about with some of our favorite toys, with a lot of things that we talked about on the podcast, including the space shuttle tent. Laser and I tag. Was, laser tag, all sorts of great stuff. And I was I was agog at this thing. Um, and I, I ended up posting it on a Facebook um, group um, for a thing that's called I Grew Up Star Wars. You, they also have a website, IGrewUpStarWars.com. It's an amazing website because it's dedicated to 
people uh, scanning and then emailing in childhood photos from the 70s and 80s of them playing with, like, Kenner Star Wars toys. Nice. And anyway, I posted this thing on the website, and somebody chimed in, a gentleman uh, from Japan, actually, who um, remembers having or owning that space shuttle tent. Because I did a little bit of searching online when I found this image again, because... I was trying to find out who the manufacturer was uh-huh. or are there old, like, can you buy an old used one of these tents online? And I just couldn't find anything, really. I didn't huh. look that hard, though. But it was neat seeing that there was a gentleman who um, remembered it. So it was kind of, uh, um, it, it, you know, it was a nice validation in a sense. I don't yeah. know what the right word yeah, is. Yeah, validated our experience. And it always makes me really excited when I find something that I, gets me excited but somebody else gets excited about it too you know because Mm -hmm. i always think about all the things that i don't have photos of um childhood memories favorite stores and maybe there's somebody out there maybe i'm earning good karma points and somebody out there will find an old great photo of something and digitize it and send it to me and i can see something again from my childhood so that's the way i look at it that's awesome that's awesome and abc news break brought to you by budweiser beer stay with us the late edition is next so it looks like the third Bill and Ted film is actually scheduled to start production in January of 2019. This is mm. this really seems like it's happening, folks. I'm excited. Wow. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> so probably I'm I'm thinking maybe 2020 release date. Uh, yeah, I mean with with how long an average film shoots. I mean, I, hopefully they're shooting for like maybe a summer 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it would have been cool had it had it all happened maybe a year earlier because if memory serves, but um, um, I think the original Bill and Ted was released in 1989. Mm. So if they could have done a summer release 2019, 30 years yeah. later, it would have been pretty awesome. Right, right. Um, because yeah, because I think Bogus Journey was 91, maybe it was 92, mm-hmm. but I want to say 91. I wonder what they're going to do. Is it going to be like the children of Bill and Ted, or is it um, their their be... children do factor into it? From what no I've way. read, uh-huh. um, but what it sounds like is is they're faced with the fact that they are now middle aged and mm. they still haven't written the song that's supposed to be bring peace yeah. to the universe, <laughs> and so they get the crazy idea to uh, jump forward in time and steal it from themselves. Oh, weird! And okay. hijinks ensue. Oh, of course. Oh, of course, well. I jinx and Sue. This is going to be great. It is. And I'll, I'll be so curious to, I don't know, see the effects and stuff. Because I remember the effects from the original film. Uh, things mm-hmm. were still blue screen then. There wasn't really a ton of CG. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to see how modernized or how much they keep it retro. We'll see. Do you think there was a Bill and Ted serial? So many things, so many properties, films, television shows we grew up with. Oh. God. at cereals i wonder I, if there was i i almost feel like we've we've got to check real quick you know it's a good thing that i'm in front of a, a computer machine hold on yeah, it's uh, a good thing i am too i'm just cereal. not going to go through the clicky clicks of my keyboard right now uh yeah there is a there was a cereal okay i thought there was the wow Do you, oh, man what if they brought back the cereal oh that would be extra rad that would be pretty cool i would get a box yeah, totally. It definitely would not fit with my diet, but oh well. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, just to put on the shelf, you know, and admire, I guess, you know? I Maybe after I eat the cereal. After you eat the cereal. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, I've, I've, I don't have it in our show notes, but I've actually heard that Nickelodeon is rebooting Double Dare. 
Oh yeah, I've heard things. Like, I've I've heard rumblings about that as well. What um, are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, it'd be it'd be a fa- it'd be fascinating if they could bring Mark Summers back. <laughs> well, he is um, still alive. While he's still alive, um, great guy. I've always been meaning to read his autobiography of his struggles with um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, really? True story. Yeah, yeah, I did not know he suffered from OCD. But you know, I really lo- he used to have a TV show in like the two thousands. I think it was like um, on the Food Channel, and it was about um, you know the history of like fun foods. You know, mm-hmm. like he'd visit yes, like candy yes, factories. Yes, or something I remember like that. that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Double Dare. I think that's great. Um, I'm excited. Cool. Yeah. Well, and lastly, you know, oh no, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Really quickly, I know yeah. this isn't is not in the show notes, but also I feel like we should almost kind of mention really briefly um, the recent passing of Coco, the sign language gorilla. Oh yes. I don't know if Coco was a part of your childhood. She was a part of mine. Um, a little bit. Um, I could have sworn there was like a like a special episode of like, um, Reading Rainbow. Where they like visited Coco or read a book about Coco or something that would not surprise me one bit. That ring that rings a bell. I might be totally misremembering it, but I just remember being a child and being fascinated with Coco and the fact that Coco had a pet kitten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Coco. It's like Coco's written books. Coco. There's like a rap CD Coco put out, <laughs> and that's not like a joke. That's like a real thing, you know. And it's it's just like Coco achieved so much more in, my, in her life than I'll ever achieve in my life. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I maybe just kinda, maybe next life you can come back as a gorilla. I don't know. I just wanted to, I guess, throw that out there or something. No, you know? that's okay. We we will be talking about gorillas in our episode tonight. I promise you, we will get to that. Wow! Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will. I will let it be a surprise because you're this probably not great. thinking of the gorilla. Oh my I'm god! Of, so, oh, jeez! Oh, wow. Okay. I'm um, all right. So, so lastly, in the news yes. tonight, um, and right. this kind of fits in with everything because we're talking uh, tonight about surf culture and Santa Cruz and and um, a lot of that kind of stuff. In the Santa Cruz Mountains, there's a small town called Brookdale. In the town of Brookdale is a place called the Brookdale Lodge, which is famous. Um, it's a really cool, neat, kind of kitschy old place. Um, it, it unfortunately fell into disrepair, got shut down for a while. Ghost Adventures uh, investigated there. Uh, my friend's kid played the girl who allegedly died in the creek, so... <laughs> Um, but uh, there's a creek that runs through the building. It runs like through the dining room. Through the dining room, yeah. It's um, really famous, yeah. And it was so sad to see that this place had basically started crumbling off the map. Um, but I am happy to say that um, it has been in the process of being refurbished and will soon, though I don't know the date, reopen. I'm really excited about this. You know, I've never, I've never been inside the Brookdale Lodge. Um, oh, I've been I to have. the outside. You need to see the inside. It's cool. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is there's so many things from the Bay Area that have gone out of business or been torn down. And I feel like this is one of the few really cool things where it's like bucking the trend and it's like actually coming back. Yeah. Know? So I really want to go down there and get the whole experience. So I can't oh, wait. Oh, most definitely. I totally recommend it. I totally recommend it. Um, and before we dive into things, I just want to say last weekend, we, we took the kids camping up at big basin. Yeah, that's right. Fitting with our camping episode unplanned, but it is so neat. I feel like I 
watching our kids run off and do independent things and entertain themselves in in the wilderness as it were Mm -hmm. um and get excited about a banana slug um all that kind of stuff i i feel like i feel like now i know how our mom and dad probably felt when we were off camping and you and i would go off and do independent things and get curious about stuff it was awesome. i think so I think I think even maybe more so now because it gives me hope for the future of our country to know that there are kids who can still get excited by things that aren't touchscreen or electronic. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Like, I you know, absolutely actually get going it. around, running around, and playing outside that kind of thing. If That's there's really one cool. thing our country needs right now, it's hope. Oh boy. Right. <sighs> That's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this time on, if memory serves. We're talking surf culture. Yeah. And I know you're probably sitting there at home or in the car or at work going, why are these guys talking about this? Was that really that big back then? Well, for us, it was. Mm-hmm. Definitely for me, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that I've got like a little like almost, I don't know what to call it, a prepared statement at the beginning of my notes because. Well, let's hear it. Uh, for me, I'd grown up kind of chasing popular trends that really didn't actually speak to me. Okay. Um, like I remember being in junior high school and it was like, Oh, I've got to have like the fancy athletic shoe. I'm not athletic. I've mm-hmm. got to have, you know, the Niners starter Jersey, you know, and I'm not into football, but okay. you know, yay Niners in the eighties. Um, you know, I've got to have a giant's hat and I'm like, I'm not really into baseball. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was always, kind of chasing something because i saw my peer group chasing it okay um and of course junior high school is right around that like 1987 to 1990-ish era that we're kind of going to be looking at tonight um but we grew up with a mom who surfed Mm -hmm. right she still has her nine foot four hobie board up in the garage at home um and so Sometimes we'd spend weekends cruising around Santa Cruz and going to beaches. And this was also the period where we kind of shifted from camping in Yosemite to camping at the beach. Uh-huh. Cruising around Santa Cruz and, and, and spending time there and going to mom's old surf spot and, and going to some of the surf shops there. I saw a lifestyle um, that... I could identify with. And I, I I felt like it represented values that I liked, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, take care of the earth, take care of the ocean. You know, this was all kind of leading up to that, like Exxon Valdez era. Um, seriously, I kid you not in fifth grade, had you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, Mm -hmm. I literally would have said that I wanted to be a professional surfer. Are you serious? I thought you wanted to be a meteorologist. Well, that, do you think I only picked one thing my entire life? Because I didn't want to be in either of those. I always wanted to be a robot. <laughs> but yeah, professional server. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally, I totally did. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I already was kind of just naturally drawn to kind of like more unique like clothing. We're going to talk about clothing as part of this. Um, you know, the design at that time it was a lot of wild designs and bright colors and you know highlighter stuff and and all of this just gave me an an avenue to express that um 
And when it's come to me kind of revisiting that and like, oh, I want to pull together like some retro pieces to like wear to a Radwood, I've gone for like the highlighter color stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So this is a big part of my identity growing up. And it is something that I'm finding as an adult, I'm coming back to in terms of this is a place where life for me felt very peaceful and chill. And I had a cool vibe. So when, when life as a 42, almost 42 year old gets to be too stressful, I'll revert to this. That's why I'm like, let's, let's pick up some of the music from this era. Let's, you know, and I'm kind of reaching back to that. Uh huh. Um, what, what, what aspects of this, you know, just in general terms, cause you know, we've got stuff that we'll kind of dive into here. Uh-huh. Um, just big picture. Mm-hmm. What, what is, what does all this mean for you? For me? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, for me, um, when it came to actually, um, surfing, um, I've never surfed ever in my life. Um, I bodyboarded yep. at Santa Cruz when I was a kid, and yep. that was fun. But it usually consisted of about five minutes of me going in the ocean, and within about five minutes, I would get sand. It felt like I would get sand stuck up under my eyelid, and then I'd like have to go off crying somewhere to get the sand out of my eyelid. We just needed to have you in goggles the whole time, I think. I guess. So the thing is, for me, like I look at the surf. I have really fond memories of surf culture. And when I say surf culture, I don't mean surfing so much as I mean the all the ancillary things. So being yes. at the beach, the clothing, the stickers, the yes. backpacks, the the branding of it, the mm-hmm. corporate part of it. But I mean also the non corporate parts of it too, like different things in Santa Cruz. But um, so I, I mean I don't want to. I mean when I was a kid, I was I was a huge poser, biggest <laughs> poser I knew. And for me, surfing was a way of being a poser that was somehow legitimated by the fact that our mother actually did legitimately participate in that culture in the 60s mm-hmm. when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like for me, like in the 80s when I was growing up, there was the I, there was the image of the surfer, which is very popular in culture at that time. And there was also the image of the hippie, which was really popular in culture. Yeah. And I remember going to mom and dad and I'd say like, did you guys used to surf or whatever? You know, and mom would say, oh, yeah, I used to go surfing. And I would felt like I almost felt like that like um, made it uh, somehow more valid to like participate in that culture. Sure. And then I would say to mom and dad, it was like, hey, you know, you guys grew up during the '60s. Were you guys hippies? And mom and dad would look at each other and they'd say, uh, no, we weren't hippies. And I think the term they used was home hippies. Like they were into the the music and all that stuff, but they never mm-hmm. like you know went on the road or went to you know some sort of big crazy concert or something like that. Yeah, as I and remember mom and dad describing it as that, you know, when when the hippie movement was hitting their peak, they were just a couple years too young to have uh-huh. the freedom to go off Yeah, and, and do that the, kind of stuff. But the thing that I remember very vividly is wanting mom and dad to say, no, 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 we were hippies, so that I would somehow be, it would be more legitimate for me to wear like something that was tie-dye, like a tie-dye t-shirt. Oh, Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. like I could go to school and some of you were like, what are you, a hippie? And I was like, oh, well, my parents were hippies, you know, don't you know? <clears throat> gotcha. um, and so that yes. made it like okay or something. Um, so for me, surfing wasn't actually um, surfing, but it was 
it was everything other. It was like, um, you know, being able to quote unquote relate to Michelangelo on the Ninja Turtles when he talked about, you know, surfing <laughs> stuff or something, you know, that that's what that's what I got uh, into, I guess. Um, no, I totally get that. And and I agree. Um, um, I I'll be totally honest with you. I, I am kind of in that same vein. I am about as kook as kook can get. I have tried to stand up on a surfboard. I have yet to do it. Yeah, but we at least have childhood photos of you like wearing a proper wetsuit, holding like a legitimate well, you've worn a wetsuit too on the beach. Yeah, but I'm never, you know. I mean, it's not the same, you know. Um, you're you're twice the surfer than I am. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> um, but. Now tell me, tell me about, tell me some more about these um, experiences that you remember from our childhood going to places in Santa Cruz County at the beach. Oh boy, do we do we want to talk about like beach locations first? Sure. Okay. Because um, obviously, well, um, I've listed out just some spots that I remember us, you know, either boogie boarding at or um, uh, at least for me, attempting surfing at mm-hmm. um because one time mom and i were over in santa cruz together and I, th- I think it was all three of us actually and we stopped by o'neill surf shop on 41st avenue in capitola and just bought a used 200 hundred dollar surfboard without really <laughs> kind of consulting dad at all that was a lot of money back then back then yes yes it was um but obviously um you know i I have memories of Pleasure Point. Not that we ever went out there, but that was Mom's spot. Okay. Um, so I'm familiar uh, with that. Um, and well, you know, it's worth noting Pleasure Pizza right there, which is delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but there's Cowles Beach, which is on if you're facing the ocean, the right hand side of the Santa Cruz Wharf. Uh, Left hand side is the boardwalk. So Cowles Beach is right there. Um, but most of the time during the summer, you know, it'll, it'll get really crowded because, hey, you're right next to the boardwalk, but the waves are always kind of small and mushy. Mm-hmm. Um, go back from that and you've got, um, uh, you've got Steamer Lane, mm-hmm. which obviously we never boogie boarded at, but that's, that's very, popular spot you've got the the lighthouse there on the other side of that you've got lighthouse field state beach um and that we rode uh quite a lot of times um and that would be always be fun um because the way that that kind of cove there is shaped is that some of the power coming into steamer lane um, kind of gets peeled off, um, because there's this point that comes out that's slowly but surely eroding away. Um, so you would not only get a wave kind of come in, but it would also rebound off this, uh, cliff that's there. And so you'd have a wave that's both coming forward and coming to, let's say if you're facing out to sea, coming from your left to the right. Right at the same time and there were times where that place would get really kind of big and gnarly um at least in terms of bodyboarding you know so you know five six foot and uh that one was always fun uh for me at least and it's 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 easy to get to there's parking right there um so let's see what else oh natural bridges 
Mm-hmm. Right? We both have memories of natural bridges. Yeah, I think there were some tide pools up there. You could go and see like little sea anemones and stuff yes. like that. Yes. Yeah, that was absolutely. Really cool. Natural bridges, State Beach. Um, it's mm-hmm. also where you can go and see uh, some great uh, monarch butterfly stuff when it's yeah there's a whole grove yeah and it just gets full all right right full of them yeah no natural bridges is awesome for that um from what i remember natural bridges also would get kind of kelpy i remember getting tangled up in more seaweed uh trying to ride that break there Mm -hmm. uh than just about anywhere else okay um uh let's see down along uh cliff drive near near the um the harbor is uh twin lakes do you remember twin lakes i think so you know natural i'm um there's so many i'm sure if i saw it i'd remember it um i think i do remember twin lakes actually um i think i was in a fender bender there once oh dear really yeah uh uh-huh yeah 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 um but did you like uh, bodyboarding there? Or? Yeah, no, bodyboarding there was was actually really good and really consistent, um, and okay. it had just a nice kind of like level beach um, that you know you can kind of just set up camp on. Um, although, if I remember right, the, the the actual parking lot is across the street. You literally you've got to get across the street to get uh, to the beach. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was another good one. Um, but there was one more that I remember really, really well. And I actually had to get onto Google Maps and kind of like scroll along the coast there until I found it. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, New Brighton, Sunset, you know, those were those were camping spots as well. Those were pretty uh, easy places to remember. But this place, I, I, I could picture it in my mind. Right. I could remember how to get there. I could right. drive there right now and remember how to get there. But I never knew what it was called. Okay. Uh, it's called Sunny Cove. And I don't know. We only went there a couple times. But it, you literally would go down this like really short street. Okay. Um, and it was kind of narrow. And literally the end of the street emptied out onto the beach. And oh. it was it was a very narrow, tight cove. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously any swell coming toward it just gets funneled into this place. Okay. Um, and I remember, oh, I remember one particular time, uh, boogie boarding there. Um, cause that was the bulk of my surf experience was on a sponge. Um, coming in on just a really hard wave okay. and I was just like winded. And so I kind of just laid there as the wave had carried me to shore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Whew. And it's, you know, the water's going back out and it's kind of pulling me. And I turn around at the last okay. second to look behind me. Uh-huh. And the next incoming wave had basically doubled up on itself. Oh. So there was like the water that was rushing back out was starting to pearl over. Uh-huh. And then here comes this much bigger wave on top of that. And I, I had no time to react. I literally just curled up into a ball, <laughs> threw my arms over my head and just got pounded. <laughs> oh, just oh. got pounded, just tossed around <laughs> for a while. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, never, never do that, folks. That's 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 asking for trouble. It's awesome. Um, I'm sure there were other beaches that we that we went to with some regularity, but th- these are the ones that really stand out to me. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Um, now I I I think talking about Santa Cruz is, I don't know. This isn't as much surf culture as it is Santa Cruz itself. Uh-huh. Um, but we had, I think, some of the best meals in Santa Cruz ever at the Pontiac Grill. Right, which unfortunately I don't think is there anymore. It hasn't been there for many years. Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, your your typical 50s themed diner. Exactly. But I think there was at least one front end of a classic Pontiac that was like decapitated and mounted on the wall like mm-hmm. fine art mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, it could be because I believe back in the day that actually was a Pontiac dealership. Is that what the deal was? Okay, That's at I least the story that I've heard. Okay. Yeah, Mom and I went to Santa Cruz like two or three years ago, mm-hmm. and we went and ate at whatever restaurant's now in the same space okay. as the old Pontiac Grill. Um, and it brought back so many memories. It was just a fun, a funky little place right in downtown Santa Cruz. Yeah, right. Um, it's just a block off Pacific. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were so many great places to get you know, stuff to eat. There was an amazing, um, like candy store on the pier. Oh yeah. And it was kind of like going into like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. Or something like I can that. picture the place. I have no recollection of the name of it. I almost would bet it is still there. Honestly, it probably is. It probably is. Um, of course you got the saltwater taffy machines at like, um, the beach boardwalk. Yes. What is that place? Mar, Mary, Marianne's Mar- Mariana's. Something like that. Something yeah, it's like one that. Of those, you know, it's like a hundred-year-old family, run, mm-hmm. you know, confectionery place or something like that. Yeah, so um, good. Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm getting hungry. I know, right? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna spoil your appetite now because uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, so first of July, um, Amber and I are going to take Parent on what we are calling the tour de mommy and daddy. The tour de mommy and daddy. Yeah, well, our wedding anniversary was on the 26th, and that was like the day we got back from camping. And, you know, for the longest time, it's like, well, we're going to go have dinner at a fondue place. That that was always kind of our thing. Um, And it's like, we've done that a bunch of years. And here's Perrin doing this kind of like, oh, I don't want you to go. And at the same time being like, I want to know more about kind of like you know why why did you guys get married kind of thing (laughs) are you serious yeah wow okay you know um so we we are we are kind of planning out a day of like you know hitting all these spots and stuff so we're we're going over to santa cruz and this is just the perfect feeder recording this tonight is the perfect feeder for going into everything tomorrow you're driving Uh, to santa cruz tomorrow yes wow yes is it a day trip? Yeah. You spend the night? No, 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 no. Because cause we got work Monday. Or at oh, least okay. I've got work Monday. All right. Um, no, it's a day trip. It's oh, totally cool. a day trip. Um, but do and you par- remember? Parents been to Santa Cruz before, though, right? Uh, yes. Not in a couple okay. years. But he has okay. been. He has been. It's, been. it's been a while. This will be the first time where he's really, you know, kind of an independent kid, not a, a toddler. Uh-huh. Uh, checking stuff out. Um, but... 
speaking back toward the Pontiac Road, do you remember that record shop next door to it? Yeah, there was like a record shop, but it was um, it was almost like conjoined. So you could like leave the grill and enter the record shop and not have to go outside. Almost. Yeah, it was almost. very close. Okay. It All was right. very close. I think I think the building itself was conjoined. Okay. I think there was a like a secondary restaurant you could get to from that like mm. entry vestibule, but I okay. th- it, it, again memory. Um, I think you actually had to walk outside down a, probably about six feet and then into the record shop. I I definitely you know bought some reggae tapes and stuff there back in the day. You know I remember the little road that you would take to drive to the Pontiac Grill, and if you went up like two blocks towards the ocean on that little road, yes, you would come to a cliff. And at the top of the cliff, there was a house. Yes. And there was a door. Yes. That apparently, <laughs> if it, by looking at it, you would think that the door initially led to a staircase that you could walk down to the roadway. And the door must have been a good 50 feet up or something. I don't think but it was this, quite that high, but it definitely, I mean, it, was, it was a couple stories up for sure. Two, two or three sure. stories high. And the staircase, I guess, had long since been demolished. So it was basically you were looking at a house on a cliff. With a door that opened mm-hmm. into outer space. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? Oh, clear as day bell. Yes. I, I can I rem- picture that house. I know exactly where it is. I can almost guarantee you it is still there. I remember, like, we would, mom and dad would drive us to the beach every once in a while. And I, we would always go back to that little house. And yep. I would always look up there. And I would always think to myself, like, in my little kid mind, what the heck am I looking at? You it's, know? It, it, was, it was Winchester Mystery House level kind of strangeness who would have a door that just opens onto you know open space above a roadway i mean the mind boggled is like who lived in this house was it was it was almost like adam's family-esque you know it's like (laughs) was there some evil genius and like you know whenever he wanted to like off somebody he'd have them walk through the store and they'd fall to their death or something (laughs) that's what is the story what's up with this house i don't know it must have been some sort of earthquake damage or it used to go to something like a bridge or a stairway i don't know yeah i I don't know i I think i think the stairway scenario makes the most sense right right honestly good god um but you know let's let's kind of stay on the topic of you know shops and stuff that we remember right now because in addition to santa cruz we definitely spent a lot of time in capitola capitola as well um and and I don't know. I don't know if one place is necessarily more touristy than the other, but, but, you know, little downtown Capitola is this kind of, you know, concentrated beachside shopping and eating area almost yeah. with a, with a little mm-hmm. beach down at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is a store that if there's any sign of kind of the, I don't know what you want to call it, the gentrification of this area. Right. This there's a store. It's it's right at the corner of Capitola Avenue and San Jose Avenue. Uh, if you guys are bored enough to look at a map, I actually had to look up where it was to remember. Um, but this place was just like a big old like hippie shop back in the day. You could go in and get like a head shop. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a head shop in that sense. I'm like, you you okay. couldn't go get like pipes and bongs and whatnot. But okay. you know, if you wanted like um like a poster, like, like a post, yeah, you want a poster, you want a blacklight poster, you want you know some some bumper stickers, you want some buttons, you want like a Mexican blanket uh, coat kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, books on healing crystals and whatever. 
Um, mm-hmm. this was the place to go. And I, I loved, cause they would just have these baskets, like all bumper stickers a dollar and you, I could just sit there and just flip through them. What was the name of the store? I don't remember. Is it still in business? Is it still there? No, here is, okay. here is how bad it has gotten. Okay. Um, because <clears throat> that store, I mean, even today, that store would have been awesome, man. I'd go in and I just, I'd buy buckets of buttons worth of stuff, you know? Um, I'm racking my brain now trying to remember this place. Um, well, it is unfortunately now a Thomas Kincaid gallery. What the hell? I know. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I literally looked it up on Google Maps so I could remember. Exa- I, l- I was looking at Street View to go. I'm like, okay, that's the spot. That's definitely the building. I recognize even the shape of the windows. And it's a huh. Thomas Kincaid gallery today. I assume they no longer have the big basket full of $1 bumper stickers. Probably on. not. But that's I mean, crazy. it was like, you know, Greenpeace level, save the whales, you know, kill your TV level stuff. You know, it's okay. kind of punk in some ways. Gee whiz. You know, Capitola, I loved Capitola so much for some of the little shops just like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one shop that also no longer is in business called Dragonwood and the Magic Crystal. Oh, that place was and it's, amazing. Yeah. And they also had a Los Gatos location, if, if did they? I okay, recall so correctly. So there were two locations. Least, yeah, both but it wasn't like a on. national chain or anything No, like no, that. no, no. Um, and if any place, if any store ever sounded like a more California store than Dragonwood and the Magic Crystal, I mean, it sounds like a movie. It doesn't sound like a store, right? Right. And it I sounds swear, like something Jim Henson would be doing. Oh, my God. This store, folks, if you've never been there before, imagine you go into a store and the first thing you do is you smell incense. Yes. And you hear music being played on a, on a speaker. Some sort of Zan fear level stuff. Well, a lot of times they were playing. Um, there was a there's a musician named um, Patrick Ball who plays mm. the harp. Mm-hmm. He's like a famous harp harp player. Yes, and they'd have a lot of his music. That's but anyway, right. the thing that they specialized in and sold were the coolest little pewter mm-hmm. statues and figures. And I don't know if this was a fad during the 80s, I guess. But like, if you wanted like a six inch tall pewter statue of like a dragon a dragon straight out of like dungeons and dragons or lord of the rings um that was like really beautifully cast and chased and you know detailed this was the place to go and they would have hundreds of these little things and each one was different and i i assume handmade and unique and there would be like tiny little pewter castles the size of chess pieces usually inlaid with like um like uh rhinestone not rhinestones but like little like quartz crystals that mm-hmm. have been fashioned and yep. like you know hand wrought um like it, it was the kind of place you could go to find like um like a weird little um letter opener in the shape of like an excalibur sword with like a snake on the handle <laughs> yes yes like this yes, place yes. this place was so cool it and was it's like as a nine-year-old boy like going into this place was like basically going into like castle grayskull and like the he-man cartoon but much prettier but much prettier and it was like and like i grant it fair listener thank you so much for listening to our podcast because at this point we've at least i've really gone off the rails in terms of talking about surf culture because now i'm talking about like freaking straight up like um almost like conan the barbarian level type shit (laughs) but like stuff to decorate your D&D room and there's no other yeah, because the store was in Capitola. There's really this is probably the best, the closest episode we'll ever get to like being able to legitimately talk about this topic. <laughs> um, 
And I can't tell you how much time I've spent online trying to find really good photos of this store. Oh, I can't imagine and there's many. I just am not finding it. I need to find the name of the people that ran the store and like track them down and write them a letter. And you know, get, that they have old photos. Get a and hold. I'll, get a hold and, of the Capitola Chamber yeah. of Commerce. Do you think? Yeah, it was it a might, business yeah, like in Capitola. Yeah, no, I mean it's um, yeah, they might they might know stuff about like who ran it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 my only postscript to the story is years later, I went to, um, a concert in Sunnyvale. It was like, um, at a community arts center and the artist performing was Patrick Ball, the harpist whose music I had grown up listening to in this crazy store. And it was so cool. But the thing was it, this guy, Patrick Ball, he's an amazing harp player, but like everyone, he'd play a song or whatever, and then he'd stop and tell a story but mm-hmm. he would like he he's like an American, I think. But he had this like fake Irish accent that he affected. Oh dear! But it was like really bad. It was like almost like um, uh, Kevin Costner in print, like uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay. And, and it it like it it so ruined it for me. Oh. It just like I was just sitting there, just like biting my nails and just like it was like going to see the the best musician you ever expected, and then they would tell like you know, horrible jokes or do something really like just that just, you know, made you so angry and sad. You oh know, it was, boy. Oh, that's rough. Oh God. If I could go to Dragonwood right now. Oh my God. Right. I, I probably dropped like $250. Yeah. You know? I, I remember I had like a, I had a necklace and it was like a, a pewter claw of some kind grasping yeah. a purple stone. stone you know, yeah, was, I know. Yeah, yeah. This is like smooth the kind to a of marble. Place. Oh my god! It's like oh, everything you went in there. It just seemed like it was something that like maybe had a curse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm 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 getting off the rails here. I, that's I gotta, fine. We gotta, no, that's we gotta that, bring it back. That's fine. Back. You make the place sound a lot more scary than it was. No, no. Well, no, maybe not like a bad curse, but like you know, definitely had some like magical powers or something going on. I don't know. Definitely. Well, also in Capitola. And this place is still there. I have checked and somebody I know um, through Doctor Who circles was out visiting friends in Santa Cruz and took a picture there. And I'm like, wait a second. Is that Rainbow City Limits? Okay. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I remember that place. But there is literally a store in Capitola. I'm kind of hoping to go because... Amber has wanted to get some kind of like pinwheely type colorful things for our garden. I think this would be a great place to do it. Okay. Um, but Rainbow City Limits is a store that I imagine probably gets pretty popular during Pride Month because it literally is, you want rainbow anything, that's the place to go. So if you want a t-shirt that is the color of all the colors in the rainbow. Yes. Or a hat. Yes. Or a garden. Trapper keeper. Thing. I don't know about Trapper Keepers, but sure. Okay. Sure, sure. Lisa Frank stuff? I don't know. That's kind of the theme of the store. Very much so. You you want like a wind sock to put out front in your house? You want some right. uh, rainbow wind chimes? But it has to be rainbow colors. It, because it's Rainbow City Limits. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, but yeah, that that was a place that I was I was pretty stoked to see. I mean, it, it's got to have cool. been there for, I mean, uh, well, obviously upwards of 30 years at this point. Yeah, probably closer years. to 40 yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, out here anywhere, sticking around in the same place for 40 years is amazing. Right, right. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
so that yeah hopefully we'll get to check that out hopefully we'll make it down to capitola tomorrow too but oh man i'm trying to remember any other place i mean i know i mentioned o'neill's surf shop earlier oh i have so many strong memories of that place oh me too i just remember being in there and like loving like going through the racks of wetsuits yes but just because like maybe they'd all have so many like funky colors and like garish designs um yeah that was and just that being period. like really like dazzled by the eye candy of all of these things do you know what i mean you mean the bikinis no 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 i mean that kind like, of eye candy because um... <laughs> that dazzled you know, me I mean, you know, just, just, you know, being <laughs> nine years old and being fascinated with things that were fluorescent colored. Yes. Like just the, just the idea that you could wear things that made you look like, like I don't know, like the an action highlighters figure. in your backpack exploding yeah. in your clothes. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. But it would be like legitimate somehow or like, you know, not Halloween, you know? No, I, I totally 100% get it. I mean, it was, I loved going in there and, and a lot of times for me, I mean, I think I've been a sticker junkie since I was a kid. I'm, I'm okay. just, I'm going to come out with that right now. You know, I would always want to pick up stickers. Um, you know, I, I want to pick up the latest issue of surfing or surfer. <clears throat> In fact, I even went and bought a copy of each of those magazines from, I think they're both from 1990, different okay. months, but both from 1990 off eBay, just super cheap. Uh-huh. Um, to do research for this episode. Oh, okay. Just to help jog my memory on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on what the, the ads looked like and, um, what the fashion looked like. And it's amazing. Did it all come up? Oh my God. Did, did it, it really? all come back? Like, yeah. Unbelievably. Unbelievably. Yeah. I mean, th- there were, y- I don't know if you've ever had an experience looking at an advertisement and mm-hmm. having it give you an emotion and then not seeing that advertisement for a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the closest thing I get to that is when sometimes I look at old 80s TV commercials on YouTube. Sure. Um, but yeah, I totally know where you're coming from on that, you know? And it, and it's not um, just that feeling of like, oh my God, I totally remember that toy. It literally is like, I'm... I'm that age again. I'm feeling that feel again. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you've been really, you've been really, um, of all the nostalgia thing that we've been doing for the past year, couple years or whatever, um, the whole surf culture thing, especially a lot of the, you know, the paperwork or the ephemera or the clothing, you've really been hitting that pretty hard lately compared to a lot of our the other nostalgia topics we've dealt with, it seems. It, it in terms has. of like trying to track this old stuff down that you used to own and that you remember so well, maybe trying to figure out what the brand's name was, mm-hmm. you know, who aren't, who sold it. Um, are there ones that you can find on eBay, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and I, it really, it really, it really, it really gets my juices flowing. It really gets me excited, you know, because it brings back memories for me too, you know? Good, 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 yeah. good. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were some things I mean, at least, you know, if we're going to talk clothing now, um, there were some things that I really clearly remember having because it's in a picture. Uh Um, You know, thankfully, we've got some pictures of us beach camping Uh um, and stuff. I mean, there's there was this one Rip Curl brand uh, sweatshirt, uh, zip up sweatshirt, like a hoodie. And it was, you know, two different uh, 
two different shades of green on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing myself at Sunset Beach wearing that thing, I went, oh my God, yes, mm-hmm. that was such a great sweatshirt. And that is, that's one thing that I've, I haven't been able to find. I mean, it, it's the thing with, um, you know, surf brand fashion is that at least once a year, if not twice, they're rejuvenating everything. Okay. They're coming up with new designs. They're coming up with new materials. They're coming up with new, uh, items. So, you know, if you're going back 30 years, you're potentially going back 60 iterations of something to try and go like, okay, I want to find this one thing. How would you, is there, how would you, or would you even describe or define surf clothing in the late eighties and early nineties? Um, lots of bright colors. Okay. Um, uh, what I, what I've seen referred to online as color block. I'm still okay. not exactly sure what that means, but it's, it, it's a lot of, um, um, pastels, a mm-hmm. lot of uh, CMYK, a lot of the, the cyan instead of blue, um, brighter colors, um, highlighter colors. O'Neill in particular seems to have really pushed that to okay. an extreme at that point. Their wetsuits, their jackets, um, a lot of their clothing, their shorts and all that kind of stuff at that time really was like, look, we just grabbed a box of highlighters and just just made them explode okay over everything um um you know it it there was still a lot of that kind of uh, like callback to the 60s like the um the mexican blanket jackets i don't remember exactly what they're called i'm sorry i'm, I'm insulting an entire culture by not noted not knowing this um uh I mean, it seems to me that, I mean, it, it's definitely stuff that's marketed either to surfers or to people that identify with that, that lifestyle. Oh, obviously, but, yeah. But, 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 but emphasizing more like, you know, sandals over boots, shorts over parkas. Yes. Um, so it's stuff that you could wear either in the water or near the water. Uh, definitely. Um, and that's not to say that there wasn't stuff, because uh, obviously California you know, Northern California, at least, even in summer. I mean, it was 105 in Livermore today. I was looking at Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. It was 40 degrees cooler. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it, there are parts of it, like, maybe reached 70. Uh-huh. Um, so even in the dead of summer, it's like, all right, I'm going to need a jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yes, I mean, on the whole, obviously, you know, um, uh, you know, Floho's sandals, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, stuff that wasn't just, uh, uh, you know, slip into them sandals, you know, they, they crossed over your foot and they went around the back before really kind of introducing Velcro to the whole equation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, I had a couple of different freestyle brand shark watches, mm-hmm. um, still do. Um, and that, that was a big, like I moved from swatches in the eighties to, freestyle in that kind of 87 early 90s period um god we were watch fiends i go oh, through the family totally. photo album each photo i'm wearing a different wristwatch yeah i, I mean I, it's like it's like i'm some sort of rap star that changes the, <laughs> the wristwatch every three minutes or something right, like that right. and each one is like insane yeah it's like either a swash watch that's like you know 
cowhide colors or it has some sort of weird checkerboard design. Yeah, well, checkerboard just, was big in this era. Oh, or like a keyboard design. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just blowing my mind. But you know, it's interesting cuz you're talking about the surf the surf clothing. But these companies, it's like they were so interesting because it's like they almost went even beyond that to like like um, backpacks and book bags. And, oh, yeah, sure. Um, you, you know, know stuff it just, you would need for school. Well, yeah, it, it may not have been designed for that originally. It it may be like okay, because we'll we'll talk about the the ones that we had. We both, uh, even though there's a picture of yours and not a picture of mine, Billabong <laughs> brand backpacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yours was really cool because it had kind of a, a center section over the top that was actually neoprene. It was actually wetsuit material. Really? And yeah, the backpack itself was black and all the highlights on it were literally like highlighter yellow. Oh my God. Um, I had one that was gray. Um, right. all that kind of, uh, poly neon, uh, poly nylon. Uh, material uh, it didn't have any wetsuit material sections in it um, but I only really remember this backpack because for some reason I loved to draw and doodle over pretty much everything I own I would doodle on my shoes oh yeah sometimes and this backpack was doodled to death yeah, um, yeah. I would love to find another one you know I, I just got to throw this out there really quickly my current backpack yes I've just we my backpack and I just had our 25th uh, anniversary year anniversary wow yeah i've had the same backpack for 25 years you've been you've been with your backpack longer than i've been with my wife it's uh yeah 93 when i freshman in high school um holy moly and that thing is still together same thing yeah unbelievable but you know what the doodling you doodled so much i remember that i and doodle on my pants in school mom would get a... upset because i'd have to wash my pants so much because i doodle on them there was a thing you doodled that you mentioned a couple episodes ago. Oh, I think. And I remember, I remember thinking, oh, I, I have to. There's a story I have to tell, but it would fit better with the surfing episode story. You used to doodle um, a logo of something called Global Village. Oh yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Let's talk Global Village. Okay. Now here's the thing. So I have a memory of this story, and you have a memory of this story, and mm-hmm. I think my memory is different than your memory. But my memory was that I remember you doodling a lot of stuff that were like cartoons. You would make up cartoon characters, like yeah. you made up a cartoon character named Mick Mint. Mick Mint, hell yeah. M-I-N-T, yeah. Um, and I also remember distinctly that you also, um, and I love this. I'm not saying this in any sort of bad way. I think it was great. You would like um, almost come up with brands or names of clubs. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, when you went on um, – like the school trip to not the school trip, but the trip to Australia. And New yeah, Zealand. the people to people trip when I was in people high school. to people trip. Yeah, you 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 and your the friends you made. You know, you you kind of like invented a, a name called the Kiwi Clan. Mm-hmm. And so my memory is that you had invented a term called Global Village. Yeah, and I don't know what it really referred to. I mean, to be honest, Global Village kind of sounded like maybe the place that. Um, that cartoon character Captain Planet would live in, <laughs> right? Or something. Yeah. But like, I remember you, um, and it was like a, a letter G and a letter V that were conjoined, and there was mm-hmm. this logo. Yeah, block letter kind of. I remember there being like a company called Global Village. Still is. 
But my here's my memory of the story. Like I remember you doodling this or whatever, and then you at after you started doodling Global Village, you found out that there was another there was a company called Global Village, and like you actually wrote a letter to them or something complaining because you were like the first Global Village, and these people were like not that they had stole your idea or anything like that, but like you basic and it was it was great because it's like I mean I have no idea if this memory is accurate or not, but it's like. Maybe in the Global Village company archives, there's this like letter from a 14 year old Tay, <laughs> you know, and it's just like I, I it's like I, I dream about this letter and it's like, is it still out there or something? That you was, know, that's my, I, that's my Global Village story. So I, I will be entirely honest. I mean, I, I, I remember doodling that and, and could still doodle it because it's super simple. Um, I, I don't remember which came first. I don't remember writing a letter. I'll be honest. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I I certainly may have voiced some sort of like, oh my god, here's this thing, and I've been doing this thing. What the heck? Yeah, I may have I may have vocalized something. Although I don't even remember where I first found like a Global Village T-shirt. Um, yeah, I don't remember if it was her. Pacific Sunwear. I don't remember if it oh. was over on the coast. I don't. It, it it could have been in that Thomas Kincaid gallery for all I know. And Global Village was a company that made. Surf clothing, so that's kind of why it ties into this episode. This oh podcast. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if if anything, you know, because um, they are still around nowadays. I actually have a Global Village shirt. I'm happy to say, yeah. um, and um, uh, it, it it definitely has um, a very environmental, you know, kindness to the earth kind of hippie bend to it but that is also kind of how it dovetails into the surf cultures because surf culture itself is you know protective of the environment um uh, we have a great photo from the family photo album of your global village doodle rendered in legos that you made oh yeah it's it's amazing oh <laughs> that's God. right i remember so that. good i've seen that photo that's too funny oh, um but yeah now there was one other thing um okay. That if I don't go any, well, two things that if I don't go any further in clothing, I'll be happy at leaving it that one, I totally had forgotten about until, uh, coming across one of the surf magazines that I picked up recently as research for this. Um, <clears throat> but they were called surf tie neoprene bracelets. Okay. Okay. Do you have is any, this, is this like a, is, is this like a friendship bracelet? Yeah. Think friendship bracelet, but it's I definitely remember friendship bracelets. out. Well, yeah right um and and you could still get those really easily um just you know made by people in guatemala instead of actual friends mm. um but these were basically made out of presumably used wetsuit material now i think i remember this correct me if i'm wrong on the inside of the bracelet there was like a small black plastic clasp uh, or was it? Was it just? A... Oh, oh, yeah. There, I think there was on some of them. I don't think it was all okay. of them. What I'll because... try to do is I'll try to remember to scan the advertisement, and we'll we'll, we'll okay. stick it up on our Twitter and our Facebook so people can check it out. I mean, if it was just a simple donut loop of wetsuit material, I'm not sure if I remember that. No, it wasn't quite that simple. Uh, some okay. of them were were braided. Okay. Uh, some of them um, were like like a half circle and then it split because you kind of had to need to tie it off okay at the end it wasn't like um like a live strong bracelet but made out of wetsuit material okay um i have done what feels like a ton of research trying to find 
anything about these online. Are they not on eBay? No. Really? No. Wow. No, I haven't been able to find anything outside of that. But you found the ads. I found the advertisement. I I remember them. I remember having them. I remember what they smelled like. But I mean, were they were they were they solely um, fashion accessories? They didn't necessarily have any sort of relation to surfing. It wasn't um, like something you would attach your. Like, oh no, it's um, not like a leash. Or, or, or it it, it literally is just a fashion thing. thing. Okay, I got it. It was I got a you. bracelet. Here, look. I'm wearing neoprene on my. Yeah. It's like it, I'm wearing it, my pair of croquis on yeah. my wrist <laughs> instead of on my sunglasses. It almost kind of sounds like the uh, the. Um, the the surfing industrial complex like the they they had ex, like f, extra leftover neoprene and they were like we can't just throw this away we have to make something out of this you know uh, possibly um, you know? the funny thing is is there actually um, uh, there actually is a company in I th- want to say France um, that makes something very similar to them today oh that you could buy today for okay. nine or ten euros or whatever it is. Um, and I've been half tempted to be like, well, I'm going to order one up and just see if it's kind of like the old stuff. And I just, oh yeah, I I don't know. I keep looking at it and I keep looking at the exchange rate and I'm just like, "Mm, no, I'd rather spend that money. Go find a used wetsuit somewhere for five bucks that nobody wants anymore. You know, I just got to make my own. I just got to say this. You're going to Santa Cruz tomorrow. I know. Right. It's, 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 you're probably going to have a pretty full day with doing all sorts of, you know, restaurants you want to hit and stuff like that. You might not have the time for this, what I'm about to suggest. However, I know that you've been to a handful of like, um, vintage clothing stores in San Jose mm-hmm. looking for some of this material. If there's a vintage clothing store or secondhand store in Santa Cruz that you could visit, I'm sure you would find the mother load some of this stuff oh very possibly now it's you know? it's summer you know that kind of stuff might be getting bought up pretty quick i don't know Maybe. but i don't know yeah like there's... if there's a santa cruz goodwill or something oh, it's like plenty. you might hit gold there's a ton yeah. of thrift stores in santa cruz there's yeah, a ton I'm... so i don't know i mean that might be you might i don't know i'm just throwing that out there you know no 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 i've, I've had the thought don't worry i've i have definitely had the thought now i told you earlier this episode that we were going to talk about gorillas yes okay all right TNC Surf, not just a fun NES game. Mm-hmm. Um, Town and Country Surf started in Santa Cruz, or not Santa Cruz, I'm sorry, started in Hawaii. Okay. Um, but what I loved latching onto in terms of, you know, like I really dig this company's aesthetic. It wasn't uh-huh. just the fact that they use basically the yin yang symbol mm-hmm. as part of their logo, but they had a whole host of characters that would be stickers would be on their shirts were in the game um and it turns out i'll throw a link to this in the show notes i forgot to stick it uh uh in our show notes but i'll i'll put it up when the episode posts is that the the original tnc characters were actually based on uh actual surfers of the era so so t so tnc surf is a surf company and they had a uh a uh, 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 motley crew of what cartoon um, characters that were like advertising mascots? Um, yeah, for lack of a better term. Was there one that had like um, a Hawaiian mask or like a tiki mask? Yeah, open the link I just sent you. 
Okay, hold on. Oh, hold on, folks. I'm touching my. I gotta look at my computer machine here. Hold on a minute. Um. Oh wait. Uh. Link. Yeah. Oh, it's in the Skype. It's in the Skype chat. Wait. Okay. My computer's doing something. Uh. Here we go. Watch out. He has a North Korean computer, by the way. Oh yes. Yes. Um. These guys. But anyway. Ring a bell. Uh, well, no. I mean, it's still loading. But oh. uh, I definitely remember the video game. Um, well, yeah. Um. But one of the characters, Thrilla Gorilla, okay. right? Like I said, they're all. They're all modeled after uh, uh, famous surfers. So Dean Kialoa was Thrilla Gorilla. Uh, Joe Cool was Sean Thompson, who was really big back in uh, the day. The Caveman was Ken Bradshaw. Um, and um, what's funny is it seems as though, and I, I, I could be slightly wrong when I say this, so I, I'm, I'm saying this with a pinch of salt. It's, it's that I think today... Uh, TNC, the company, is kind of separated from uh, these characters. Sep- are they retired them or something? Well, I, I, I basically, I think business-wise, they've gone their separate ways. Okay. Um, because there is um, the guys who originally did this artwork have their own company now and are still doing shirts and stickers and designs with all these original characters. Hey, I'm all I'm all in for any company that want to have want to have um, cartoon mascots. Right. You know, I think that's hey, <clears throat> I'm down with that definitely. Um, um, yeah, you know the link unfortunately didn't work for me. Oh, um, okay. Uh, but I think that's more because I don't know how to use computer machines. Oh, gotcha. Sorry, but I'm sure have, I'll see in the show notes. You you definitely will. You definitely will. It's uh, it's an article at Hawaii Magazine from 2016. Oh. But I'll. I'll make sure that you see it. Um, uh, but yeah, that was something. I mean, I loved TNC stuff. That that whole aesthetic, the just the art, the cartoons. If they had actually so you, done an you, animated show of them, I would have watched every single time. So you had some stickers of these characters? Is oh, that what? totally. I had some stickers. Oh, really? I had some shirts. Yeah. Um, very clear memories of having some of that stuff. You know, the only surf clothing story that I can remember from our childhood was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a uh, what's called a rash guard uh, manufactured by a company called Alita, which is, as far as I know, the, the type of thing you would wear under a wetsuit. But it kind of looked like a wetsuit, or at least it was made of similar material and had the same kind of fluorescent color scheme. Yeah, it was a very um, thin um, nylon uh, type. And yeah, uh, the way that wetsuits were engineered back in the day is they had big seams on the inside and they would give you a big rash. I'm such an idiot. I wore this thing to grammar school on photo day and everybody <laughs> listening, I'm sure you remember when you had to go to public school, you'd go at once a year, you'd have everybody would line up and get their photo taken in the cafeteria. And for the life of me, I, I can't find out the name of the type of photography style that it, they popularized, which was the one where you get the photo where there's one print, but there's your face looking head on. And then up in the corner of the photo, it's like a profile of your same face. You're staring off in the space. It's like, I don't know if it's called Tromploy. I don't know what the exact artistic term for that is. Couldn't but like you. a But like a freaking doof bag, I wore my rash guard to school like it was a fucking shirt with like a tie or something <laughs> like that and a sports blazer. And I, it's like, we, I, and I brought this photo to your house a couple you weeks did, ago. You did, yes. I was like, you have to scan this so we can put it up. I did. When, this, I will, when the show goes live. I will make it is, sure it gets edited. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the dorkiest thing I've ever done. And that's saying something. And the best and, thing uh, is I expected you to be bringing like a five by seven or something. And you brought me like, um, a, a slightly used, uh, um, sheet of, of wallet oh, yeah. size. So I got like oh, seven yeah, of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
Yeah, you get you get, the, you get the walk. Yeah, exactly. You you know, a week, a month later, or whatever, you get the pictures at school, and there's like, you know, the sheet that you would cut up and give as like the wallet size photos to all your relatives or your grandma, and the the, the freaking little sheet. There's only one of them that's been cut out, and all the others are just still there because everybody's smart enough to know this is like the dumbest picture ever, and they don't want to cut it out and like <laughs> put it in their wallet because it's horrible. On that so now. It's now really we just mid uncut sheet, you know. It's yeah, just, it's so perfect on so many levels. Well, now it, uh, now it just needs to be your profile picture on Facebook. Yeah, for a pretty month. much. Yeah, I, I need to bust that out. I guess I don't know. Hey, let's oh, let's talk. Where are we going now? Let's let's, let's talk. talk. Let's talk music real quick. Yes, because music I think is going to segue into movies. Yes. Um. Now, for me, a lot of what defines this era is I really. I had got into Bob Marley, right? The legend right. album is still one of my favorites. Um, and that quickly got me into his son, Ziggy Marley. Okay. Um, and, um, so like, I mean, I remember on the camping episode I, I talked about, it, I remember just kind of hanging out in the parking lot cause we were waiting. We got there early and, you know, listening to Ziggy Marley. Um, but at the same time, um, as I was, and, and uh, I will be honest. I mean, if you think wearing a rash guard to picture day was bad, um, I was, I was so into reggae music that yeah, from yeah. that same shop that's now a Thomas Kincaid gallery, I got like, Oh my God, I didn't even know what you call him. Like a Rasta hat. Yeah. The big poofy you, one that they would wear their, um, dreadlocks inside. Right, of, right. But this wasn't big and poofy. It was obviously a bit smaller so it would fit on my head because i don't have you know the dread um but here i am yeah junior high school age okay and going to junior high school in downtown san jose Mm -hmm. in the late 80s where you know you're more likely to go hmm i better not wear that because it's red or hmm i better not wear that because it's blue oh god um and here's me with my unique style, um, and maybe I should put unique in quotes. I don't know, but I'm, I'm like rocking bright yellow Converse high tops. So suddenly I'm nicknamed sunshine, but here I am now total white yeah. kid. Right. Right. Definitely in some ways kind of in the minority. Okay. And I'm wearing this freaking Rasta hat <laughs> to school. <laughs> and inside feeling hella confident oh yeah and 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 i won't lie not this is who just, i am man this is right. who i am right oh yeah so this this was me <laughs> i mean i stuck out like i don't know a cactus in the tundra <laughs> it didn't it didn't like have the fake dreadlocks in it like the no oh get god it, like no, the halloween no, store no, did it no because uh, that's no. just like one tick below like wearing blackface in my right. opinion it's just so bad yes. you know Oh, no, that just, is really I just, bad. I just do we have any photos of wearing this I hat? I don't. I haven't seen any. Did it look like one of those hats that like newsboys would wear in the twenties when they would no. sell newspapers? No, okay. no. It it, right. it looks more like a Civil War snood than anything. <laughs> um, but slightly more <laughs> tightly <laughs> knit. This is becoming like the fashion episode. I love it. It well, but 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 that's kind of what surf, surf culture was for us. You know, yeah, was, we don't have stories of touring the world and uh, shredding waves and all that kind of stuff. That that's what this was for us. Okay, so Ziggy Marley. <clears throat> Ziggy Marley was uh, right. So, Ziggy. um, um, 
our very first concert. I think it was our very first concert. I don't think it was just me. Oh yeah, no, I I was there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, was August seventeenth, nineteen ninety, at Shoreline Amphitheater. Yep. Um, so we can actually celebrate its its anniversary coming up here. Um, and the main act was the B fifty twos. It's awesome on their Cosmic Thing tour because I I still love that album. Yeah. Um, the opening act was Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. Totally. Um, and and that was huge for me. That was also the first time I ever smelled pot smoke. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Maybe and, and, it was huge for us. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and 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 still today, that that music takes me back, and that music kind of chills me out. Um, I've got a ginormous reggae playlist on my phone that I like. If I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a really bad commute, I put that on. The thing about reggae music is it's it's like like let me give you an example. There's this one song by Jimmy Cliff okay. called Vietnam. Okay. And it was in the movie um, DC Cab. Oh, really? um, nice. And um, uh, uh, freaking um, uh, who's that guy? Gary Busey. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. It's like okay. it was like Bob Dylan. I think is quoted as saying it's like his favorite Vietnam protest song ever. I mean, it, when you listen to the lyrics, it's about somebody finding out their loved one died in Vietnam. But because it's a reggae song. It's still like super upbeat and happy. Right. So it's like, it's like this totally horrible, sad, depressing song, but it's like you're just bopping along, you know, because it's like reggae. Yeah. Which is like, I think just encapsulates how I love reggae, I guess, because everything's always bouncy and happy, even if it's just like a really sad thing. I don't no, know. No, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, uh, John, my friend and co host of Podcastica, um, he he always tells me he he can't get into reggae because he's like every single song starts with the same drum beat. Now he's a drummer, and so he'll okay. sit there on a desk and he'll you know and beat that out. And I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not <laughs> yeah. wrong. I still love it, man, but you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now at the same time, 1990. Right. Um, an album came out. Um, and it was put together by the Surfrider Foundation. Okay. Um, Surfrider Foundation still around today is still an incredibly worthwhile cause. Still, I want to encourage everyone to to support that. Um, it was called Wave Sliders okay. in a Blue Room. Right? It sounds almost a little smarmy when I say it that way, but they basically got a lot of the top surfers of the day together, and they made a record. Oh, so it's like We Are the World? Um, of a sort. We Are the okay. World was one song. This was an no, album. But, oh, well, yeah, I guess. Okay, I see that. Um, but I mean, if you're a famous surfer, are you necessarily going to be a good singer? Actually, surprisingly, many of them are. Oh, okay. Many okay. of them are actually um, either talented players okay, um, or can sing halfway decently. I don't All know right. about the people today. Couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. But... <clears throat> 89.90? Yeah, they were pretty good. Um, and Did you it have was, this album? I, I do. This this was one of those things that was advertised in the surf magazines. And you okay. had to send away for it. Mm-hmm. They might... I, ooh, I don't remember. They might have actually had it for sale in surf shops. But I remember literally having to be like, all right, here's the order form. Here's the check and or money order. Here's the envelope and mailing away for it. Yeah, self-adjust stamp envelope. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and I got it on cassette. Oh, cool. I still own that cassette. 
The same one. The same, the self same uh, one. Is it still playable? Oh, very much so. Oh, cool. Okay. Very much so. And it was, I don't know. It's, it's neat. Some of the songs are like really, really good. Like I'll gladly go back to them any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, the record as a whole is kind of just an experience to be had. Okay. Um, because at the time, Surfer Magazine actually had a, like, either weekly or, or every other weekly, like, half an hour show on, like, some sports channel. I had to have been ESPN at the time. Um, okay. so they had a theme song, right? And, and that's on this record. Um, uh, there's, there's songs that are just like, it's like so much of the eighties was kind of an echo of the fifties. Okay. Right. So, there were stuff on there. There was stuff on there that was kind of doo-wop-ish of sorts. Okay. And so coming, coming and listening to that another 30 years later, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to malign the album at all. I mean, it, it's, it is very iconic for me. It, it, it really takes me back. I was shocked to find it on Spotify. Oh, really? Is you could Spotify? stream it. Huh. And, and I was just bowled over. Oh, like cool. this, this for the longest time seemed like the most obscure thing mm-hmm. I owned. And then to find it on a major streaming service. I mean, I, I right away, I sent that off to mom because mom has great memories of, of listening to this album. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she flipped out. She was like, holy moly, I can't believe this is, I can listen to this at work. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because talking about the music that we remember, um, attached to our memories of going to Santa Cruz and going mm-hmm. into the surf and surfing or bodyboarding. Yeah. Um, there was a, um, 1964 song under the boardwalk by the drifters. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Every, everybody listening to this podcast. Has under this the boardwalk. Yeah. Boardwalk. And like, I remember that song very well. I was such a Homer as a little kid. Like I didn't understand the fact that the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk, like Something being called the boardwalk didn't necessarily mean it had to refer to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. You right. can have a boardwalk on any beach in any part of America. And, of course, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk is, like, it's probably best known for being in the opening of the movie The Lost Boys. Right, yes. But but I thought the song, the Drifter song from 64 was talking about the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And every time, like, I would hear it, I would think, oh, how cool. There's, like, a neat this, – this place we're going to is so cool that there's a song about it. And it's on the <laughs> oldies tape, you know? Yeah. But it's, like, it never made sense to me because there wasn't really anything under the beach, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Like, there wasn't, like, a basement as far as I could tell. No. I um, mean, I'm sure there is an under area, but it's not something that the public can get to. And it's crazy because, like, that song – it turns out that, like, the night before that song was recorded – the main singer of the band, the drifters died of a heroin overdose. Oh, geez. So they had to like scramble at the last minute to find somebody else to sing. And I always thought that song sounded like sad, you know, hmm. like, I don't think it's a sad song, but like you could hear sadness in it or something. And then I read that weird little factoid. Anyway, I just had to throw that out there. Cause we were talking about the music part. So. Oh no, that's, that's very worthwhile. That's an, that's a, that's a neat story. Thank you for that. Um, this is, this is kind of the transition topic because probably for me the most iconic personally speaking this is completely 100 percent opinion at this point um album that kind of takes me to this era takes me to this culture is the soundtrack Uh to a surf movie that o'neill put out in 1990 called ozone Mm -hmm. now for me the movie 
the album this is this is peak surf culture for me this is okay. legend for me this uh-huh. is as iconic as it gets for me this is this is the top of the hill okay um it was one of those things that it was advertised in the surf magazines it was right. one of those things that you know um when we went into o'neill one time it was for sale on vhs and <clears throat> i think what attracted me to it at the time was uh the cover art okay for it most surf movies you know it's going to have a picture of somebody on a wave on it this was purple and green and the text was all kind of like funky mm-hmm. it kind of kind of like the um like the stussy ads mm-hmm. back in the day um and there was just some you know really kind of like crazy art and it was the same kind of art that was being reflected in um some of o'neill's fashion at the time and the stickers they were putting out mm-hmm. um and this will dive into an interesting modern day story here but i was like i need to have this and mm-hmm. mom and dad bless them bought me the vhs mm-hmm. i watched the snot mm-hmm. out of this film um still on the vhs to this day same self same self same one that's awesome only two and a half months ago maybe two months ago got the gear together to digitize it mm. i have not watched it in probably 15 years or more Oh, it's been that long? It's been that long. So I haven't had a VCR. Okay. Okay. But now that I have a digital copy of it, yeah, I seriously, I think I watched it 10 times in like the first six days. Are you serious? After that. Oh, I watched it a bunch and I just watched it over and over and over again. And it's it just, I remember every part of it. Now, Ozone, the surf movie Ozone it's not going to be a surf movie in the sense of like a 60s surf movie where there's a plot and there's a boy and a girl. It's more <laughs> like footage of surfers with like cool music kind of yes, thing. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, it's not the endless summer. Cause that's one movie we haven't talked about, um, no, which is very influential the, on us. Oh, that's the surf movie. I remember. Yeah. That's, that's the big one. That's the one that we were raised on. And that's the one that I could have sworn we saw a sequel to, in person in an auditorium in santa cruz we'll get to that yeah sit tight okay. sit tight okay um so amazingly enough i happened to go to the warehouse record store across yeah. the street from valley fair mall uh-huh. and i'm just looking through stuff and i think i was over in the soundtrack section and lo and behold there is one cassette copy of the soundtrack to ozone oh okay and I'm like, I must own this. Mm-hmm. What is this doing in San Jose? I'm like, this yeah. is a soundtrack to a surf movie. But yes, all over it. and and yes, Ozone is you know it's it's clips of folks shredding, Team O'Neill, different parts of the world, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I had to own the cassette, so I still own yes, self same cassette. It's awesome. Eventually, did find the soundtrack on CD on eBay, bought it. That oh, way yeah. I could have a good, clean digital copy. Missed out on buying the poster oh. for the movie on eBay. Oh, and it was 18 bucks. As cheap as I oh. just... I keep I keep checking every now and then. I keep hoping oh. someday. Oh, but just to make the story quick now, 
as we were kind of like getting this topic together uh-huh. uh, for tonight and, and, you know, this kind of stuff's kind of been boiling in me for a few months. So this, like this yeah. all the way back in April, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I actually managed to find the guy who directed it. Oh, really? Um, on social media. Yeah. He still does film, still does photography, oh. still does, you know, it's all, it's all surf stuff. Um, uh, name of Tony Roberts. Uh, and so I, I just reached out to him. I just I sent him a message one day. I said, Hey, look, I mean, I know that this probably wasn't your biggest project ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but ozone had a huge impact on me and mm-hmm. I still love it mm-hmm. to this day. And it was very influential to me. And, and, you know, it took him a couple of days cause obviously, you know, you're off in like Costa Rica or whatever. And he gets back. He's like, Hey, cool, man. Thanks. You know, I, Really appreciate hearing that. That was a lot of fun to shoot and this, that, and the other thing. That's cool. Um, and then on top of that, um, and I don't exactly remember what, oh no, somebody, uh, liked something that I had posted yeah. about it on Instagram. Um, and the name just rang a little bit of a bell. I named Tim Ward, Tim Ward Art. Okay. Um, and I'm like, wait a second. I go look at this guy's account and I'm like, Oh my God, this is the guy who did the art and the animation that is used in like the credit sequences. Okay. In this. And it's, it's really early kind of chunky, almost 8 bit, 16 bit kind of graphics. Um, but it's and that's funky. The, that's the tiny bit that's on YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the tiny bit that's on YouTube. Um, so this was also the guy, um, okay. who did, the art for a lot of stuff that um, O'Neill was making stickers of and putting on their shirts. Oh, um, okay. There's this picture of dad that I put out at father's day and he's kind of like in the front yard, looking up at the sun. He's wearing an o- o- O'Neill t-shirt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with a character named bonehead on it. It's mm-hmm. a skull. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's got like three like uh, prongs of hair coming out of mm-hmm. his skull. That's Tim Ward's art. Oh, okay. Um, if you are, especially if you're here in California and, and you're driving around and you see some of these like really kind of stylized, like Santa Cruz sticker, like one with a mermaid. Yeah. And it says Santa Cruz in it. I see those on cars every day. Yeah. That's his art. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I reached out to him and I was like, holy moly, uh, you're the guy who did this. I, love that movie and this that he's like yeah man that was a lot of fun working on this you oh, know cool. uh, project and trying out this this computer stuff and everything and um um i um you know he was talking about how he hadn't seen the movie in a long time i'm like look dude i just digitized it i'm like mm. i'll throw it up on like my google drive and i'll send you a link oh cool to it so you can you know download it if you want it i'm like you did work on it <laughs> i think you have the right to it Right, right. Um, or stream it, whatever you want. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's still working, busy guy. Um, but I, I just thought it was really cool. It's like just out of nowhere, I've managed to connect with two very influential people, very critical people in this movie that has been such a part of my life. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And the only other thing, cause I'm just going to touch on it real quickly because it connects it to a part of Ozone has footage from, the uh, 1990 
uh, Coldwater Classic, which happens at Steamer Lane, which we went to. I seem to remember that a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's actually sort of the, by the the surfing museum. Yeah, right? yeah, Steamer Lane yeah. Surfing Museum, all right okay. there. Um, and I have a, a very clear memory. Now I didn't realize who it was at the time, but you know, here's a here's a pro who was heading out for his heat, and mm-hmm. all I had at the time was a Polaroid. So I took a Polaroid picture of this guy running by. Mm-hmm. Only later did I find out that it was um hugely famous surfer Tom Curran. Oh. Um and and you know somebody who at that time, you know, I kind of really looked up to. I thought that, you know, like like I just really liked what he was doing in terms of mm-hmm. both surfing and uh um social activism and stuff and it was only after seeing like the results in the magazine and then like looking at that polar I'm like, wait a second, that was him. him. Holy crap. You know, do you still have that picture? No, no, I have no idea where that might be. Maybe it's in a giant drawer in mom and dad's bedroom full of pictures or it may be buried in there somewhere. I don't know, but I, I, I personally do not have it. Okay. Okay. Um, but Speaking of other movies, well, wait. Can, can, I, can, oh, I, can please, I go please. back for just a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can no, I just I'm say rambling. something about the the, the 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 surfing museum in Santa Cruz just for a minute? Yes, please, because um, that's such a great the, place. Because, because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've ever been to this museum, and I'm assuming it's still there. Yes, it is. Um, it's housed within a lighthouse mm-hmm. on a on a little cliff. Yep. And the thing about it is we've all seen lighthouses before, but this lighthouse is the most goddamn picturesque lighthouse you can imagine. And the surfing museum in the lighthouse, it's, it's so quaint. It's so beautiful and so charming. And this surfing museum in the lighthouse, it seems like so perfect and so picturesque that it's like, it was something that was just set up by um, a production company to film an episode of a TV show at, you know, <laughs> like let's say there was an episode of Murder She Wrote where like you know Jessica Fletcher went to Santa Cruz and there was a they had a like the the film crew had to set up a surfing museum and they thought oh well let's put it in a lighthouse or something you know but this is the real deal and they had this like surfboard in there that got allegedly bitten by a, like a great white shark mm-hmm. and it had a bite taken out of it. That I swear, at least in my memory, it looked like a perfect bite you would take out of a surfboard if you were in a cartoon. <laughs> and I remember we would go there all the time, and I would see this thing, and I would always kind of like marvel at it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like on the inside. Yeah. I, anyway, I just had to, I just had to get that off my chest because that no, was just, that's, that's, that's just like one of my favorite surfing memories. You know, totally worthwhile. And and because I proposed to Amber, basically right next to that building, we are planning to go there tomorrow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my for God. sure. Uh, no, it's a great place. Great place. Long may that place be there. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, now, so, speaking of surfing movies. Yeah. Okay. So, again, as as these memories are bubbling to the surface, um, because I feel like we've been working on this topic for actually a few months Yeah. now, um, I was like, wait a second. I remember us going to the premiere of some surf movie at the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium. Totally. And I was racking my brain. I was bugging our folks, trying to go like, do you guys remember what it was? I was even asking my friends who who have lived in Santa Cruz for years, um, going, can you remember? 
what it might have been. And, and we started to think that it was 1994's The Endless Summer 2. Okay. Um, and then I came across what it actually was. Okay. 1990? 91? I think okay. it was 90. Saw the release of Surfers, the movie. Wow. Now, what is Surfers, the movie? Um, it is unfortunately not. Is it just not, like Ozone? It, um, to an extent, this, okay. I think, is a little bit more of a look at the history of surfing. It's, uh, there, there are interviews. It's more of a documentary. It's, it is a bit more of a documentary. Okay. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it. Thank you. Um, don't get me wrong. Totally intercut with some great surfing. Uh-huh. Um, but, <clears throat> uh, we saw that it was coming to Santa Cruz and we were like, mom, will you take us? Yeah. I remember it being a big production. Like mom took you and me yep. and we drove out there yep. and it was, it was in the evening. I think it was. Yeah. And it was like, a, you know, so it was like, we'd have to take a night drive back over the mountain to get yep. back to San Jose kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, I don't remember it being in a theater. It was like definitely like the metal folding chairs and like a big school cafeteria type situation. It was the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium. So it really was the 1990 thing, Surfers, the movie? Yes. Okay. There are clips of it available online. The entire the film, movie? unfortunately, is not. Yes. Okay. Um, I'd love to find a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. I, I haven't yet. <laughs> Digital or VHS or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one of those things where as we kind of started to figure it out, mom's like, yeah, I remember the crowd was like really rowdy. And I was like, oh, my God, it oh, totally was. Oh. And then you came up with the zinger of a memory. And I, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, gosh, I remember this. Yeah. Well, heck, it was kind of traumatic. <laughs> for you. Well, no, probably for both of us. Here it is. I'm 13. You're 11. Yeah. And somebody's throwing a dildo around in the auditorium. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where that came from, and I you well, know, it probably came from a sex shop. Let's be honest. No, no, I mean, but it's just like, what does that have to do with surfing movies? It's like I don't know, but anyway, you were completely one hundred percent true because it was like I've only seen a movie crowd more outrageous than that, which was when I saw it was the premiere, not the like not the Hollywood premiere, but it was like the opening weekend of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, I know this story. Yeah, tell it, I, tell it. I saw it at, and I'm sure you were there and mom and dad were there or whatever. It was at the Century Theaters in I San Jose. I don't think I was there. Oh, really? I um, don't think I was. We saw, they, it was like opening night. It was Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I swear, like right in the middle of the movie, the film broke. Yeah. And the crowd, here's the thing. Like the crowd got really rowdy, but like it seemed like within 30 seconds, there was like 50 plain clothed um century theater like bodyguard type people in the hall in the aisles of the theater like maintaining control and like making sure people didn't like break out into a mass riot and it's like i never saw these people before i've never seen them again it's like where did the century movie theater people have like plainclothes bodyguards all this time and why did they have 50 of them on hand you know it was like this secret police force that like they kept in the basement they only brought out like once every five years or something well and i don't Uh, remember Bram Stoker's Dracula being so amazing a movie that people would get that upset. I mean, you, well, paid, no, I mean, you paid you paid a ticket, you know, you get upset if the, the film I mean, breaks, I, sure. I, I think it was more like, you know, the straight uptight movie folk were looking at all the, 
like the goth fan type people that were really into the film and like they were kind of like oh is this crowd going to give us trouble they're all wearing like black lipstick and like (laughs) eyeliner or whatever you know what i mean they all just came to see winona ryder but you know what um surfers the movie totally remember that story totally remember the crowd um great story yeah yeah, and if uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll dig into my my YouTube playlist somewhere and, and throw a couple links up to parts of the movie on there. Now you've you've um, you've recently watched Ozone again, a movie yeah. that relates to surfing culture had a big impact on your adolescence growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And I recently rewatched a surfing movie that um, may not have had as much a big impact in my childhood but definitely had a really big impact on me today personally. Oh boy. And, and, and I, I enjoyed is, the emails. We were thrown back and forth while you were watching this. That is 1987's back to the beach. Okay. Gang. For the call. Oh, look, honey. It's our old beach. Dude, it's totally maxed out. Dude, get on your boards. Channel are going back to the beach. You're not a surfer anymore. You live in Ohio. This summer, hang ten. They're not as good as the long wooden boards I used to ride, but uh, yeah, I feel like riding around on a coffee table. Right out. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Hang loose. So what do you say we do some damage to my dad's American Express car? <laughs> Go wild. Burn, burn, burn. Starring oh Annette Fulicello and Frankie Avalon. And this movie, so folks, it's directed by Al Pacino's girlfriend and interior designer, Lyndall Hobbs. <laughs> and it's a surf comedy, and it stars 60, 60s icons, uh, Annette Fulicello, who's playing Annette, of course, and Frankie Avalon, who, of course, they starred in a lot of surf movies in the 60s. Yes. It's really funny. For legal reasons, Frankie Avalon's character is never called Frankie in the film. Oh, really? In fact, he, he's billed as Annette's husband in the credits. Um, <laughs> but the film, it's so funny because it's like kind of a comedic, satiric send-up of 60s icons in pop culture. And there's so many cameos. There's um, Jerry Mathers, Tony Dow, and Barbara Billingsley, who are all in Leave Up to Beaver. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Connie Stevens. There's even Bob Denver and Alan Hale Jr. in full Gilligan's Island costume. And there's like all these other like random oddball cameos that don't really make sense and don't really work like oj simpson's in it oh god and um <laughs> it it's so funny because hobbs she's better known as a music video director and definitely re-watching back to the beach today 
like the musical numbers in Back to the Beach work the best. There's a there's a scene where um, guitar legends Stevie Ray Vaughan and Dick Dale are playing Pipeline. Yeah, and it's amazing. There's yeah. um, there's a part where there's the band Fishbone yes. is playing Jamaica ska, mm-hmm. and there's this incredibly surreal rendition of the song "Bird Is the Word" by Pee Wee Herman of all people. <laughs> um, and it's it's actually kind of crazy because like. There's this weird video on YouTube of Annette Fulicello from back in the 60s with Bob Hope singing the song Jamaica Ska. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the exact same song, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's crazy because from what I read online, when she sang the song in the movie in 1987, that's when she kind of first found out that she had MS, which she eventually died of. Because she was like dancing and like, I guess it was like hard to dance or something. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But, um... This movie, the the part, of, the thing is, like this movie before tonight, I hadn't seen it in a good thirty years. Yeah, but the part of the movie that I remember the most before I even watched rewatched it, which only consists of about maybe five minutes, is there's a cameo by Don Adams. He plays this harbor master. Yes. And oh yes. This, this was the first time in my childhood that I had seen Don Adams in something other than his role as being the voice of inspector gadget and i loved inspector gadget so much when i was a kid that the thought that there was a real person out there who was for me the voice actor was the real thing mm-hmm. like if i ever met lorenzo music that's garfield you know yeah. if i ever met don adams that's inspector gadget yeah and the fact that i could see what inspector gadget looked like and although like in the movie Back to the beach, Don Adams never had any sort of like robotic things come out of its body like Inspector Gadget would. I hope not. But like it just it was like so it was like seeing your icon or your idol for the first time. And it blew me away. And it's like for the past 30 years, that's the thing I remembered about this movie. This was the movie where I first got to see what Inspector Gadget really looked like. You know? <laughs> and I can't I can't tell you how much fun I had watching this movie. It's so weird because it's like I rented it on YouTube for like three bucks. Mm hmm. But you found it on DVD for sale, but it was like 50 bucks? Uh, yeah. In fact, I just, while you were watching it and we were emailing back and forth, um, because I, I mean, I remember having the soundtrack to this. I remember yeah. us seeing this in the theaters. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just went to search real quick, just was searched back to the beach. And yeah, apparently it, it must have had a very limited DVD release because People are asking 30, 40 bucks for it on DVD. It's crazy. Now, and it's like, you want it on VHS? Six bucks, nine bucks. There you bucks. go. That's the way to go. You know, I'll convert it. it. Why not? It, 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 it's amazing to me that this movie isn't on syndication more. Um, I, I looked online and it's like, I was wondering like, oh, is this a huge train wreck of a film? Apparently it had like 20 different writers at different times. So it oh, was geez. really kind of messy. <laughs> but like, like it got great reviews um roger ebert gave it like three and a half stars he said it was the best musical comedy since um little shop of horrors wow like people loved this film and it just it gave me i can't tell you how happy it was at the end of watching this film it, and honestly i i know that it is kind of like an 80s homage slash send up of all the beach movies of the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. um you know obviously with a lot of you know, uh, uh, 80s sensibilities oh my to it. Yeah. Um, 
And and yeah, I mean, it is. It, it, it is very much a feel-good movie. I think it's a very underrated movie, at least nowadays. It has a lot of heart. It, it does. Has it, it has a ton of heart. And, and if you want to talk about the kind of impact it had, I actually, um, our junior high school did an annual lip sync contest. <laughs> and I did one of the songs from the soundtrack. Yes. And we still have paperwork from that lip syncing contest. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I, I can't For what it's worth, I didn't win, but yeah. Not when surprised. I saw the. When I saw Fishbone come on the screen of the film, yes, and I saw the one guy, the sax player, who had the like dreadlock mohawk, mm-hmm. I was just so excited. And you know, when I was a kid, it's like I didn't understand any of the '60s references. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think I knew who Gilligan was. Like, sure, I, I'd watch oh, Gilligan's Island. Tons but of it, Gilligan. Yeah, but it's like I, there's so much about the film that I just didn't get. But then, like looking at it today with like 2018 eyes, like there must have been some sort of. Um, product placement deal because like every other scene there's a huge shot of like somebody holding a diet pepsi can just perfectly oh really yeah it's like there's <laughs> diet pepsi cans all over this it's so great and it's just i know that you you know raising kids and having a family your time is limited in terms of free time and stuff like that mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance to watch this again please, I need to. please just i would you know if you had like a tape recorder with you and i could just listen to like your reactions i would listen to that tape what, you know maybe maybe if we get this whole like commentary thing going on maybe this is one of the ones we got to do there's so many things i just like I'm, when i would watch it i would just think the first thing i think is is that's great and then the second thing i would think of is i want to see what they would think of that you know <laughs> nice oh my nice. god i was so excited nice <sighs> now i want to go to the beach i know i'm so excited I get to tomorrow. Totally. I'm, you know, I'm looking at the notes. I mean, I think we're just about spent. I think the only other thing that I, I really remember is I actually had surfing trading cards. Oh, my gosh. Some were people there, had I, football cards. Some people had baseball cards. I had surfing ones. Was there bubble, was there bubble gum? I don't think so. Well, no bubble gum. Okay. I don't know. There might have been. That I don't was remember. It, was it like one side would be the picture of them shredding and the other side would be like like little stats or something? Or like, do you remember stats anything Stats or some sort of biography or okay. maybe something about like the location, you know, pipeline mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't have any of those anymore. And I haven't, I haven't tried looking online to see if there are any. That's crazy. That's anymore. awesome. Though. But yeah, yeah. In fact, um, uh, one of the famous women surfer uh, back at the time, I think she's South African, Wendy Botha. Um, she recently on, on her social media actually had posted a picture of her, um, trading card from back in the day. Oh, really? And I was like, Hey, I totally That's remember awesome. those. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> uh. Holy moly. Well, Seb, thank you so much. We, we, are creeping up on two hours right now. I think once editing's done, it'll be a little bit less than that. But we we are just about tied for our longest episode yet. But this was good. No, this was great. Really, this is a blast. We really talked about a lot of stuff we've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, definitely, definitely a blast. And now we're getting ready to head into July. Fourth of July is coming up. What are we doing next month? We're doing GI Joe. Dun, and... dun, dun. Right. Knowing is half the battle, folks. What and the other half is, they never told us. They never told us. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Tonight's episode, I was really excited about, but I knew that it was going to be something that um, you would have more to say than I would. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the I'm 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 a little anxious because the GI Joe episode, like the feeling I have in my bones is don't mess this up because GI Joe for me was probably what surfing <laughs> was for you. I yeah. mean, it was a big part of my childhood, a big part. You know? It was a big part um, of both our childhoods. But yeah, I, I'm 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 excited. There's going to be a ton of stuff that'll be like, oh my god, I totally forgot that. I know yeah. there will be. Yeah, and so um, I'm really looking forward to it, folks. If if any of you out there in uh, podcast land uh, are fans of GI Joe, uh, please uh, tune in next month. I hope you enjoy it. Um, there, I hope there, you enjoyed tonight's I, episode. Yeah, I, I think there actually is an entire podcast out there that was rewatching the entire cartoon series and reviewing <laughs> oh, it. Bet. Right, right. Um, oh. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. So join us in August for that one. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Apex Buddha, and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Still the best Twitter handle out there. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. Now there's Google Podcasts. Maybe we're on there. I don't know. Search if Memory Serves. Rate and review us as well. Please, you know, we we love higher ratings. That gets us noticed. But whatever we deserve is what we deserve. I will not turn that down. Also, subscribe to the entire Night of the Living Geeks Network on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. Uh, you can hear us. You can hear Podcastica. You can hear Tornado Tag Wrestling. You can hear the Monthly Music Digest, Girls Interrupting, and so much more. Um, you can also find all of that and more at notlg.com. By all means, check out our website. Um, also, if you can, if you're in a position to support us, we would always appreciate it. We're trying to come up with some things to stick on our Patreon as rewards for you guys. But patreon.com slash notlg, we would greatly appreciate it. Morgan Willis does our intro and outro music. It is the track Party All Night. Check him out on Facebook. Search up Morgan Willis. His name is all in caps. You can't miss it. He's also on Twitter at MorganWillis82. And check him out on SoundCloud. Just search up his name. That does it for us. It is late in the evening now. I was kind of hoping to go watch Ghost Adventures. And I just don't think that's going to happen tonight. (laughs) Wipeout! Do you remember? Okay, I'm going to close with this. Do you guys, do you remember Wipeout, but it was covered by the Beach Boys and the rap group, the Fat Boys? <laughs> Go search YouTube for that right now. That, that will make your night. That oh. will make your night. We will see you next time, guys. See ya. Take it easy. Good night. so weird because at the end of peewee's musical number that like a lightning bolt strikes him and he like explodes and they know they never like acknowledge it or explain it